All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, so happy today to have uh, a great person, Marnie Wills from London. Uh, well, originally from Australia, but now from London on the, on the line. Uh, before we start, though, I'm going to tell, I'm going to uh, put Marnie on the back foot a little bit and tell a story because uh, she doesn't know this. But my when I was in uh, Switzerland playing touch rugby, so touch rugby is the sport I love. It's my absolute favorite sport I've ever played. It's the highest level I played at. I played for Switzerland. Uh, I've I, I made some amazing, amazing friendships through touch rugby. And what it's one thing I found moving around the world as I did so many times was everywhere I went, touch rugby was kind of there, available, and people were welcoming and would always kind of, there was a good vibe and it was a good international crowd. So that was why when I moved back to London, I was super keen to play again, but I also wanted to play competitively as, as competitively as I could. And I was well aware that although I was fit, I wasn't that skilled. So I was trying to do my best to get into, into recognition with people who, who meant something so that I could try and play at a good level. And I'm on a field in a place called Clapham in London and uh, I'm standing there on the sideline and I run my set in the in the game, came off. I wasn't doing particularly well. And then there's this girl standing next to me who I know of very well. And I have met her before, but I didn't think she knew me because she's kind of famous, big deal in touch. And I'm sort of guy from Switzerland who's played in a few tournaments, but not really that big a deal at all. And she turned and she said, come on, Nick you know better than that. And it totally, totally has stuck with me ever since. And that person is Marnie, who I'm talking to today. Marnie is an amazing coach for that kind of reason. She had, she, she knew to pick that out and it just lifted me because I was like, well, crap. Not only does she know who I am, she knows I can do better than that. <laughs> and it just pushed me to try harder and be better. And for that, I'm super grateful, Marnie. And I don't think I've ever got to thank you for it, but Aww. that is a legit story that I've stuck with. So when you said you'd be interested in talking my podcast, I was like, that's a moment I'm mentioning. And I'm starting the podcast with that. <laughs> oh my goodness, Nick. That is um, an eye-opener to, I guess, how much I take for granted my and and this is not being myself at all but it takes for granted my natural skill of just absolutely loving being around people and motivating and inspiring people and I forget in my lifetime how many people I've been able to do that to and I feel super privileged to be able to do that through touch rugby as well it's been yeah. my it's been my life even in Australia but more so it's kind of shaped who I am over here in the UK and in particular in London um and I'm quite embarrassed about that story, but it, it, has, actually, be. <laughs> it has actually lightened my night. So thank you. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's a it's a very true story, and I, I I think it's interesting as well because I knew you to be someone who was very tough uh, and and a t very tough competitor. And, and you know, I, I have a, a another great friend in touch, uh, Jen, who is over in Switzerland, who's probably one of the few regular listeners here on this podcast, and uh, she's one of my best friends. And I know that she was so I knew of you mainly through her and how intimidating you kind of ha you, your your you know your reputation was and things in terms of being a great player but also a tough player you know a tough coach and and I, so I wanted to start by by uh, telling that story but I also want you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and all the different things you do so if you can I'll, I'll pass over to you now Marnie just to give us an update on where you're at in life um, okay cool so I am originally from Aussie um 
I came over at the right age of 21, so quite a few years ago. I came over as a qualified PE teacher. Um, I followed a boy over. <laughs> I <didn't know> that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. He's also well known on the England touch scene. Um, yeah, I followed him over because he had a scholarship to play rugby league. Um, and I guess I was just kind of looking for that next big thing to do because I feel like that's a bit of my personality, always looking for that next big thing. Um, and London seemed like that. So came over, P teaching. Worked my way up quite quickly to a head of P role. I've had um, head of netball roles before. Um, and at that same time that I was working my way up in my career, I was also playing um, a lot of competitive sports. So started off refereeing touch over here, surprisingly, first. Um, and then I moved to playing and representing England um, and to this day, I still have my international cap, so that's super exciting. Um, and then I also played um, indoor netball for England as well. So at one point in my career, I was trying to um, manage AT department as well as be a dual international athlete. And what I found is that, um, how do I put this without sounding too feminist? Um, I was struggling a little bit to be recognised for the next step in my career, a director of sport role um, over in the UK in secondary teaching. is very much a very male-dominated role um, and children are still um, taught very much in boys and girls PE. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in Australia where that almost didn't exist. The only time that existed was when you played sports fixtures on a Wednesday afternoon. So you played your netball or your hockey. Um, and then all the other sports that we played, basketball and volleyball and tennis and um, touch football or touch rugby were all mixed sports. And so mm -hmm. being boys and girls, it, was, it wasn't something I was used to. And when it comes to teaching, I found it really frustrating um, to only be teaching girls and then, you know, being looked down because mainly male, male director of sports, ratio numbers, whatever reason so I found that quite frustrating and then quite a few schools I was teaching at I wasn't getting time off to go to my international competitions um and I met an amazing man who is my partner today we have a little daughter and we were in Shanghai shape one Christmas it was 2013 having a bit of a breakdown about um not knowing my next step in my career and trying to juggle um being an athlete you know the amateur athlete and he just said, why don't you leave teaching and do what do what you want to do? Because I've always wanted to do sport-specific fitness camps for kids or I wanted to, you know, own my own gym or do something related to health and fitness. Um, so I put my resignation in when I got back. And then that whole 2014, I explored the entrepreneurial life and developed many different businesses in the one year and maybe a few since. So... But my biggest legacy would be um, my Sporting Minis program. So Sporting Minis is an early years fundamental movement skill program that we deliver in early years settings. And our ethos is to get kids active, confident and loving all things sports. Um, Pre-COVID, we were delivering to over 3,000 children 
a week, which was pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> during lockdown here, we're running at about 25%, but it, you know, it's still amazing to have that impact. And then my other little baby um, is my little side hobby, which my partner calls um, my expensive hobby, um, is my sports vet program. So um, I started off training amateur athletes because I was an amateur athlete myself. Um, and my ethos is athletic development for all. So now I have mum and babies. Now I have some family fitness sessions. And now I'm online. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I, I think just to give people, anyone who's listening to this some context, yeah, so in case you're listening to this much later at a different time, it is currently November in 2020 and uh, the UK is in lockdown uh, due to COVID. Uh, hopefully things have changed if you are listening to it in a future time and we're back to something that resembles a, a normal again. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who've had to go online for things and of course sp- sports and and fitness training and things online is is a very different uh, beast to have to manage and i have to say i've been i've been watching so i'm not on facebook that much anymore actually so i just kind of crept on to have a look and, and research and so i was looking at your sports fit stuff and sporty minis and it's incredible what marnie's been doing they've been doing a lot of zoom and and you know teaching lessons and things like that and 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 um yeah, driving inspiration really, which I think is is great because uh, it's it's also what people need at the moment, especially and and you know I think activity is what people need. Personally, it's it's had a massive massive effect on my life uh, when I've got fit and 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 cleared my head through fitness. But uh, I, I think that's that's similar for a lot of people. So Marnie, I've got to take you back because you're you've been quite modest. So well, you're not being <laughs> modest, but you're not really you brushed over dual athlete. That's a dual representative athlete for for England, right? In two mm-hmm. different sports, that means. Yeah. So yeah. so you played netball and touch rugby. Now, what I, or touch footy, as as people in Australia call it. Um, but what I wanted to say was to anyone listening, because those are both non professional sports. So mm-hmm. right, netball's yeah. not either, right? And the amount of work and effort it takes. Just, just purely to be able to play at that level in terms of fitness and dedication to training and skills development, both as an individual and on teams, it's enormous. Uh, they're both very competitive. Those those two sports uh, at the highest levels, and and Marnie played at the highest levels. Playing for England in both of those is is amazing. And I I want you to list the medals in a second, so you better be ready. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, I just wanted to make sure everyone understood because even though it's not a professional sport, the amount of work and dedication is enormous. And I think for me, that's one of the main reasons. Actually, I mean that you know, plus the fact I find you so inspirational. But that's really why I wanted to talk to you as well because I think you've seen that level of commitment and and hard work, and no doubt you've well I've seen you coaching people on that kind of thing as well. Um, so I just wanted, yeah. So first of all, medals. What did you? What have you won with those? Oh, um, okay. Well, I'll start. What are you first. most proud of? <laughs> um, yeah, quite a lot. So I'll clarify by saying that um, I play. I played for England in indoor netball, so indoor net, um, which is now recognised by Sport England and by England Netball. And England Netball now is um, semi-professional at the elite level, which is really exciting for women. And um, if anyone, you know, follows Sky Sports, um, especially here in the UK, um, there's quite a lot more netball being showcased, which is amazing. Um, my, oh God, there's so many proud moments, it's crazy. Um, but I think 
actually for me playing indoor nets um, at a world champ in my home country so in Australia and playing against some of the athletes that I used to play with when I lived in Australia was pretty amazing because in Australia to make a an Australian international side in any sport is really really hard because the competitiveness and the competitive level is just out of this world mm-hmm. um and to put that into context in terms of netball um England often used used to lose to Australia by you know 20 30 goals in touch rugby we lose to Australia England lose to Australia by at least 10 to 15 tries and that is a lot of tries um so there's a big big gap so it was a massive you know moment for me to be playing against these athletes that I grew up with as well even though it wasn't in my Australian you know jersey it still meant the same for me mm-hmm. so that would probably be quite a proud moment although there was no medals won at the world champs for England it still was a massive eye-opener for me to be able to compete at that top level in touch, I've been lucky enough now to be playing for England since 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have won a medal every single year, normally a gold medal. <laughs> However, in 2011, um, we lost a bronze medal drop-off um, to Singapore, which was heartbreaking, um, which was the World Cup. That was my first World Cup with England. And then second world cup we um if there's any um touch fans listening you'll know that the 2015 world cup was pretty much rained out in Coffs harbour in australia mm-hmm. um so it was a completely different world um we bummed out a little bit there so we went from fourth in the world to fifth in the world um and then the last world cup um 2017 no 2018 2019 oh my 19, goodness 19, <laughs> yeah yeah and was in Malaysia. I went up in age category, so I played women's 27. And I finally, 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 finally got that bronze medal um, at a World Cup. And that has to be um, my most recent pr- proud moment. And, you know, it took three World Cups and 12 years later, right, um, to get there. But everything was worth it because that's my pride and joy now. <laughs> I think that's incredible. Yeah, it's 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 great to hear, and I and I do want to dig a little bit further on mm. kind of building to towards those competitive uh, events as well, because I think that's something that's really for me. It's been fascinating. I've seen it. I was also coaching a team for the Euros. I've never played in a World Cup in touch. Actually, I I sort oh. of missed out for various reasons, but uh, but I I managed to coach a team in in the uh, Euros um, a few years ago in, in my my men's swiss team and we came dead last and and well i say dead last basically equal last and we lost it <laughs> to give context again we lost to england i think 25 nil or something 26 wow. nil. i mean it was yeah. horrific yeah. but uh the, the england men's team which i think your your partner was playing when actually at the time they absolutely crushed my my guys but uh i was still very proud to be a part of that and to build towards that and so i think even take like just to take part in those big events in itself is is, is an achievement because mm-hmm. you know you build towards it as a team and I think there's something special there with that especially I mean I can only imagine especially if you get to win the bronze medal mm-hmm. or something and stand up on a podium I'll tell you a little story about that though like I think 
for many, and I say this to my children that I teach PE as well too, and I'll tell you a little story about that, but I think in order to have the guts, the leadership to go for 12 years to get to that point, um, I had to have learned those lessons all those years before. I had to have lost ridiculous amount to Australia and New Zealand. You know, we had to have a really bad, you know, year with player turnover because, you know, young players come in, everybody gets older, everybody moves on, you know, and you have to work as a team. But there was quite a few of us in the Women's 27 World Cup team that, you know, had had been to quite a few competitions. So we had a load of experience. Um, and that played a massive part because when it gets to those those really tight games, um, pressures coming on, decisions might not be going your way, you know, the small little steps, it's the belief up there and the mindset that you've been through it before and you've learned through that before and that sheer determination of I am not going away from this bronze medal match without that damn medal. Yeah. <laughs> like it's non-negotiable. <laughs> this is, we're doing it team, you know, and you have to re- dig really deep for that and you have to inspire those around you. And we were really lucky to have an amazing coaching team at the world cup. The England um, tap set up, you know, has come massive, leaps and bounds in the time and we really are competing you know with the top three four five in the world mm-hmm. um and you know that's a reflection on the players putting in the time and energy as well that it takes to get there um but it is mindset and a little story actually that's happened to me just on monday um my key stage two boys so they would be a three to six so they're like what seven to eleven mm-hmm. Um, they all play together because it's quite a small school that I teach in. And the green team happened to have two year sixes and the blue team only had one year six. And the yellow team had, you know, awesome strikers. So this was for football or soccer, whatever you want to call it. And I had to stop and I had to give everyone a really big lecture. <laughs> it was the, it was the Miss Wills coaching lecture. I mean, football is not my sport, but being a PE teacher, you can coach everything. And my lecture was really simple as you were going to have to play hard teams, easy teams, hard players, easier players, you know, throughout your whole life in everything that you do. But what you have to take from it is that you're going to go out there and you're going to give your best. You're going to go out there and you're going to learn from your experiences. You're going to go out there and you're going to enjoy playing with your teammates. And you have absolutely no idea what the result's going to be. On paper, that blue team might look better. But the day, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how well that you play as a team or your other, your opponents play. And I gave about a five minute lecture about it, but to see the faces and actually they all played really well. And the blue team won, even though on paper, they were the weaker team. So, <laughs> it's like cute, awesome, epic movie moment music yeah. that they were carrying you and throwing the Gatorade over your head. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> no, and I, I love that because I think, you know, mindset and as you know, because we talked about it before I invited you onto this, like I'm a bit obsessed with the whole building wins and, and a big part of that for me is mindset. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to try and win something, you've got to be prepared to go and do it. Like (laughs) you actually got to really commit to it and accept that you will fail at times for sure along that journey. Uh, and you need to build a strategy around how do you, uh, over, you know, overcome those failures? How do you build strategy around it? But in the end, you need to be brave and execute it. And and that is a case of being brave, meaning have the guts to go up against someone or something that you may think 
is not something you can beat on a normal day, but you, you have the ability because you've built this and you've built it up. Mm. And I think you said you said it mindset. You said it a couple of times, and and I I think mindset is everything. And I'm interested to know about your mindset though, because you kind of had this fierce reputation, and I think <laughs> everything every interaction I've had with you has sort of lived up to that. Because uh, I don't think you would have got to where you got to in sport without that, but also in business. So let's talk a bit more about your business and mm. how you think that has come along, because you've 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 set up sporty minis but you've also set up a few other business like you said and now i know you've just released something recently which i'll let you brag about because that's a good thing to brag about <laughs> maybe it's an opportunity to get that there. but why don't you tell us a bit more about that and your journey with entrepreneurship and how and especially what i'm interested in is how you think that relates to your mindset that's come with sport and and, and competitiveness and, and learning how to win and, and achieve yeah 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 um, okay, well, my reputation, I guess, is from a sporting perspective is I do anything to win. And sometimes that can be, you know, not being the nicest teammate, because <laughs> I'm disappointed, I'm upset, I'm gutted that, you know, my teammate either didn't care, didn't try hard, or maybe they were trying hard, but in my eyes, it wasn't good enough. Um but I think actually with age, <laughs> um, really started to realize that a part of the people, a part of my team doing well is me creating the environment for them to do well as well. Mm-hmm. And I really, and I really started to work that out. And I guess I make more friends on, on the sporting pitches <laughs> now than I did before. Um, I think it actually came from business. So one of the things, one of the positives for me as an entrepreneur is that I am driven, I'm motivated, and I don't like to give up and I don't like to, like, I like to win. So whatever I decide I want to do, I need to make sure I'm successful at. So that's a bonus. But also, a part of what I've learned is very much about you're only as good as the people you work with or you hang around with or you get advice from or... Um, you know, that you decide to, you know, be influenced by. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super, super important for me that I do that in my business now as well. And it's taken me a little while. So I'm going into my seventh year as an entrepreneur. And, you know, I've only just realized that you have to invest in yourself. You have to invest in good people. You know, these are the things that, that create that, that, that winning environment. And that definitely also happens on the touch pitch for me um, mm-hmm. or the netball court as well, is that I have to create that environment for people to give back and for us to have that winning success. Um, I guess the other thing that I've massively learned as an entrepreneur is that it's very easy to get distracted. I am huge on game plans and strategy and celebrating the little wins. So I think earlier you talked about, you know, winning in areas. And, you know, if we take touch, because that's our sport of, um, you know, love of, that's our love. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, Nick, you never, you I've listened to your podcast and you don't talk about your coaching enough. You are a fantastic coach. Lots of oh. people, lots of people always have talked about your coaching. So you need to talk about that more. Anyway, oh, thanks. side note. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Um, I lost my chain of thought because I was too busy wanting to remind you about that. <laughs> oh, that's that. But you said you, you, in terms of game plan, celebrating the small wins. Yeah. So if we talk about touch or even any team sport or any type of game, you've got to outwit your opponent. That is, that is a win. I mean, you might be outwitting your opponent, but not win on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. You, you know, need to win in a certain area of the court or on the pitch. You need to maybe win the attack. We think about football, you know, you could have 70% strike rate converging 20, whereas another team might be, you know, striking at 50% but converting 30. So you might be winning that area, but you haven't won overall. And it's important to celebrate those wins regardless. And in, entre- in, in running a business and in the entrepreneurial world, that is massively important to look back and go, okay, well, I won there and I won there and that's okay. I, I learned there and I just here. And if you don't do that enough, you end up doing what I do way too often and obsessed with shiny objects. Something else comes up that I can succeed at or win at because I haven't celebrated the wins I've already had. So then I feel like I'm not winning and because I'm obsessed with winning, like it's, if I have to go on to something else or I'm climbing the mountain and I'm like, I'm not getting there fast enough. I'm like, oh, if I go this way, I'll get there quicker. You know, so yeah, that's, that's my winning story. <laughs> that's so interesting because you mentioned uh, when we were lining this up, you mentioned shiny objects, and I was like, I don't know what she means by that. Like, <laughs> and you've just clarified, right? So that you're always d- getting distracted to the next objective, the next big thing that you can win. I, I didn't realize you'd meant that, and that's really interesting. But I think it's also the the trait of someone who is going to be successful because complacency and hubris are, are, are an enemy in, in a way to successful entrepreneurs, right? You don't want to stop because the, the comp- competition are chasing you, right? And if we, if we take it back to touch, you know, that game has evolved so much. I mean, I was playing at my best level. I played in 2012, I would say, and it's changed so much since then, but I still hold on to these memories of how we played and the <laughs> tactics and everything. It's like, you know, uh, so I've, and I have to be honest, I've, I haven't played for ages now. I went to Hong Kong and things and didn't, didn't manage to get any game time at all. So I've, I've lost my technical knowledge of that in that respect, but it is so true that, you know, um, understanding, uh, and, and developing your, your own, traits and not getting complacent is important. But I agree with you as well on that sort of celebrating the wins. And, and we've talked about this in previous uh, episodes of this podcast is understanding what does a win mean to you? Uh, like, first of all, defining that win, making sure you understand, like, what is the win here? And you've just said it a bunch of things, which I, I love as well, like all those kind of technical aspects of, of a game, especially in sport, you know, the percentages, the ratios, those sort of things, which kind of sound like there's something off a you know an NFL you know coaches team they can come into play in every sport and every every uh part of it because you can look at how many times do we do this how many times do we drop the ball like how many times do we accidentally give a penalty away those those can be metrics with which you can set a win against you know you can set yourself targets and certainly when I talk about my Swiss men's team who I, I you know I totally love those guys there's a real great bunch of young Swiss guys who who are quite new to the sport and you know went to this big tournament in Nottingham mean, we didn't go there expecting to win of course we didn't but expecting to win the tournament I mean but we went there and we had a bunch of wins because we set ourselves very clear targets of what do we want to achieve here and and unfortunately we didn't meet all of them but we met enough that I think we went away having learnt loads and 
a feeling of success, a feeling of right. We came away with some good stuff. And and when you talk about it in business, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm an I would say <laughs> I'm a wannabe entrepreneur. I've set up two businesses, but neither of them have worked. So I'm kind of way behind you on the curve. Third time that. lucky. Third time lucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe. Maybe. But I but I did I have got that mindset and I obviously have an interest in, in business as well. And I think the the reason I guess I decided to write a book and also partly to do this podcast is is I think it's fascinating when I look at businesses and look at look at companies and the way they don't necessarily understand what it is they're competing and they don't really understand what they're competing for necessarily or it hasn't been clearly defined enough and the team isn't aligned around a set of goals that are clear or or believed in enough uh, to to sort of execute that that great performance and I, I, just to be really sort of specific i know that companies have we you know the companies i've worked with have kpis and that's obviously a good thing having performance indicators but that's not the same as understanding the overall aim and, and, and sort of when you then are going to when when have you won right and and it can be something quite like bland, like against budget, for example, have you, have you managed to keep in budget, for example? If that's a big challenge you have as a business, that could be one of your wins. But my God, make sure you celebrate it. If it's a defined win and you've worked towards it, celebrate it. Cause that's the other thing. Mm. You know, it's great. We didn't, we didn't overspend budget last year, you know, but no, and, that was a big win. That's yeah. a big win, right? Yeah. And uh, the why and the why, why yeah. is that KPI important? And if you know the why, then actually the, the win is going to be even more celebrated. And exactly. I guess definitely there's not enough people knowing why they're doing things. And I, I think uh, just having people aligned around that, especially when it's a team. I mean, I, I know mm. that being an entrepreneur can be a lonely a lonely game at times. Mm. I mean, I'm guessing uh, there's a great feeling, and I would love you to talk about that. It's like when you step from being one to being two or three i'm I'm assuming you weren't training three thousand kids on your own every week (laughs) (laughs) so talk to me a bit about that how you built up your own team and how that how that then how you developed through that as well um i have to say my team building for somebody who's you know a team player my team building has been terrible it's probably the weakest part of my business (laughs) definitely the weakest part of my business I am really lucky now where we you know I have 10 members of staff and um, I've only just done a, another recruitment drive actually and I'm feeling like I I again I know what I want my coaches the attributes that I would like them to have not just the skills mm-hmm. I think I very much initially always employed on skill mm-hmm. whereas now I've done a backflip and it's all about their qualities as a person and what they can bring to our business and the skill bit I'm happy to upskill you whereas I did that all the wrong way initially so yeah that's a big learning curve there for me definitely I I mean so I worked I don't know how much you know I worked for 14 years for a for a big company called the EF Education and Mm. that uh, Education First and that um, had a very fixed sort of entrepreneurial mindset. They they wanted people with entrepreneurial spirit. So uh, it wasn't the same as being an entrepreneur, but they kind of tried to create a, a sense of, you know, ownership uh, and, and, and giving people big responsibility sort of early on, sink or swim mm-hmm. type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But what, what was really interesting about that company, and, and I learned a lot from it, is they um, generally 
interview and recruit so much more on fit like is this person mm. going to fit in the company and, and some people find that um offensive in some ways because they're like well then you just get mini me's kind of you know you end up with this like giant group of, of homogeneous like same people <laughs> but it really yeah. wasn't the case and 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 uh, uh, you know sometimes you found that a little bit there was a lot of extroverts for sure but generally it was a really good way of of, of finding good people because mm. you then you know if they were similar mindset and could fit in it meant mm. they could deal with the business in the way that it needed to be dealt with which which was a lot of unknowns a lot of kind of crazy uncertainty sometimes and 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 problem solving and i think that's a similar thing you know it's qualities rather than skill because a lot of the jobs could be trained and taught you know and 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 rather than having i mean obviously if you're a a web developer there's certain skills you have to have (laughs) (laughs) or if you're an accountant for example you have to have some but 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 generally a lot of the people were were and and in, in fact internally a lot of people were sort of promoted into positions which weren't something they'd necessarily studied or something so i totally mm. get i uh, get mm. that but that's an interesting learning as well it's interesting you say team building is the weakest part of your skill set uh, I, I know right but my favorite part of coaching is selecting my team it's crazy <laughs> but, so i think what's interesting though what, what i want to challenge you on a little bit is because you mentioned before as well like not being the nicest and things and i said i, I did say to you openly like you had a fierce reputation i don't think you had a, a like a, a nasty reputation but it was you know you were you were known to be kind of fierce and tough and certainly when i had that interaction with you i told at the beginning that was pretty tough like luckily i guess luckily for you i was in quite a good headspace and also i was in the right frame of mind to receive that because i was like holy crap marnie knows who i am <laughs> like i was just blown away with that like i was super positive but uh but it but it you know it's 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 um i think that toughness it's interesting when you put it alongside. So there's the coach and then there's the player. And if you're in the team playing with and being a player coach, for example, or being the person who is coaching a team, which in touch is often the case because often there's not enough people to have a coach and a team. Being a player coach is, is really tough sometimes because, you know, you have to be tough and tell the truths you don't you know people won't want to hear. But then you also make mistakes and you have to learn as well. You have to sort of self-coach mm. and put yourself also mm. on the spot because and we've both seen it egos play a part in in high level okay. sport as well yeah. and uh, yeah. winning mindset yeah. often comes alongside <laughs> yeah. um, an ego which which you know is refusing mm. to lose mm. um so I, I wanted to challenge you on that a little bit of like where do you feel like that's had an effect on you and have you adapted that you said you've said you've changed with age but do you mm. think that's part of what's changed mm. Funny you say ego, because if I think about my sporting career, I, in, in my earlier, younger days, I never understood why I was never captain. <laughs> I understand. I'm like a natural leader. I can direct people around and I can, you know, but, and my, that was my ego talking. But, <laughs> you know, genuinely, most of my teammates didn't need me as captain because I was such a strong leader anyway, I had such mm. high expectations anyway, that sometimes they probably needed a bit more of a caring, holistic type captain, which wasn't me, you know? <laughs> and it's only now that I'm older that I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a terrible, I'd be a terrible captain. <laughs> you know, like, that's, just, that's just not me. And I guess it's the same in business, that 
what has taken me so long to get to where I am now is probably my ego because I wanted to control everything. I wanted to do mm. everything. I wanted to be that main person. Um, and I wanted everybody to do everything like me rather than having letting that go and having, you know, the confidence that my coaches are on board with my ethos of how we want to teach children that they know the impact that they make. And instead of highlighting them as amazing individuals that are really making an impact on children's lives, I was too busy trying to make them me. But yeah. everybody can still make an impact in their role. And especially in the coaching that we do, they can make an impact by being them. And I am providing them an opportunity to be able to impact those children. And, you know, I finally am so, so pleased. And we come back to success here is until now, I have not felt successful in any part of my life, mm. even though, you know, I know that I've been privileged enough to play at really high levels and even at my age as well. But I only feel successful now because I can reflect that I have a legacy that I am immensely proud of and mm. I am successful because my job now is to inspire others to deliver the program that I've created so that we can impact more people rather than trying to do it all my bloody self. <laughs> <laughs> But that's so that's so great, Marnie, and you should be proud. I mean, that's that's a, it's a great thing to have recognised, and uh, and it's a great thing to be proud of as well to em empower people. I think um, you know a big learning. It's interesting. You keep talking about being older. You're not that old, Marnie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot older than you think, Nick. <laughs> I don't think so. But anyway, I I I, uh, I think as and I've mentioned this on previous episodes as well. Like as as I've grown older, I've really sort of reflected on how. I learn more and more each year and I learn more about how much I did, didn't know. So we continue to grow and learn. But I think as a manager as well, I, I, I think one of the biggest steps in management I took was that moment where I, I sort of allowed my team to fail. I, I was, I went from being this control freak of like, I had to do everything. You know, it's like one of those, like, if you need a job done well, do it yourself kind of attitude. I mean, I wasn't yeah. that bad, but on to then, okay. I'm going to step back now and let this go. And I'll just, you know, I'll just make sure everyone's doing what they need to do, but I'll try and let go and not get, not micromanage. And it was from that moment, I had such a big change because I realized, oh my God, they're so much better than me. <laughs> and, and, you know, we do, we got people in different roles, what mm. they were good at and what are better than me. And, and I, I just was so, uh, proud of my team then you know and then it was a really enjoyable thing to see them grow as well and I've had a mm -hmm. number of team members that I've worked with um over the years who have just grown and grown and grown and it's so cool to see and it's it's yeah, it's intimidating sometimes when you you have someone who is like better than you at certain things that you thought you were good at but it's also amazing because it's like then you get to learn from them as well and you get to you know, get to grow even more. So no, yeah. I, I can totally relate to that, but uh, I think you should be very proud of you. That, that legacy point is, is, is really, yeah, you have got a legacy behind, but, but what's next then? Cause you can't stop there. What this new business, <laughs> talk to me about that. Like what's the, what's the next goals? What's the next wins for Marnie? So um, I've been wanting to do this for a little while, but I, I guess I didn't quite have the confidence 
and I I didn't quite believe in um I knew I knew the sporting minis model was successful and I knew what we were doing is fantastic and I knew there was a need for it but I didn't believe that I could grow the brand big enough for the next step and I feel like I'm there now um so we are going down a franchise slash licensing route so we have a couple of different options we've got a franchise model and we also have um a profit share license model as well so the idea with the profit share license model is to take those amazing sports coaches that love to do what they do and you know really need a new challenge in their career but they probably will never have the capacity to run their own business but they can still build a community they can still lead and manage a team and you know they can still be the face of their own you know sporting minis brand in their region um and that will come with rather than an hourly rate a profit share which is super exciting because i feel like there are some really strong um sports coaches even pe teachers you know or early years specialists that you know, really could do with a with a different direction, and um, because they they do want to make more of an impact and they do want to have a bit more purpose to what they do. Mm-hmm. And then our um, franchise licensing model is going to be a little bit more like a business in a box. So um, the franchisee can choose their region, um, they can run their sporty minis program um, that that we provide but in a way that suits them best and they can handle everything from HR to marketing and advertising and to the sessions they deliver. And from a Sporty Minis business perspective, I've worked really hard to try and um, create that, you know, that operations um, that is easily um, trained like or, or learnt, trained, picked up mm-hmm. and then moved to Replicated. a different region. Yeah, 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 which has been quite hard because, Getting up here, down there is much harder than anyone thinks. But yeah, so I think we're there. So that's the 2021 Sporty Minis mission. Keep doing what we're doing and then inspire others to do what we do. That's wicked. Well done. Mm-hmm. Well done, Marnie. That's awesome. And uh, congratulations, because I saw I saw you post about it on uh, LinkedIn the other day and you were saying that's one of your premises. And so I was glad to hear you were celebrating it, given what you've just I said totally, about I celebrating totally it. I totally was. I totally was. I Good totally stuff. Was. So you need to start, you need to set, here's the, the coach in me, you need to start setting some uh, some little moments along the way that you can see mm. what's going to be successes that you're going to celebrate again so that you know when you're winning uh, mm. and you're celebrating that. Talk, talk to me a little bit more about the kids side and the and PE teaching though, because I, I'm personally... I was actually so Marnie's also on another podcast about for nursery managers and things as well. So she's she has many many hats, uh, and I was interested in that as well, in particular because my mum used to run nurseries her whole life, really. And um, That's so cool, I didn't and, know that. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and I used to work in my summers in her nursery schools, and and I loved it. And I think that's where I got kind of my love for being around kids. And I am a giant kid as well. So I, I guess there's a double edged sword there. But I, I, I think that's where I got my passion around like early years and just being around that energy. Yeah. Um, but but what like, what is your what is your favorite age to teach? And why? And what do you see in 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 terms of especially with P because I, I know, you know, of course, you built business around it sporty minis, but 
in terms of those benefits for kids? I know, obviously, to fight obesity and things, but is like I think there's probably a lot, lot more to it than that 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 you're you're delivering for those kids. And I wanted you to kind mm. of talk about that mm. a bit more. Oh, that's such a that's such a big topic. I could talk yeah, loads and loads. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> um, I think I'll start by saying something a little bit controversial. Physical education teachers are different and should be recognised as different to sports coaches. Physical education is an actual curriculum subject that in many parts of the world, not the UK, which is a slight bit frustrating, but in America, in Canada, in Australia, in New Zealand, you go to university for three or four years to become a physical education teacher. In the UK and in many parts of Europe, you do not have to be a teacher to teach the PE curriculum. You just have to have a sports coaching certificate, which I 100% do not agree with at a primary school level or even a secondary school level. Um, However, there's a lot of crossover and there are a a lot of very skilled sports coaches out there that could upskill to be, you know, teachers. Mm-hmm. So I understand why schools often use sport coaches. I think the biggest, um, I don't know if you want to say um, the biggest learning or the, or the biggest difference is that a teacher will take any part of the curriculum and try to tie it into other parts of a curriculum. So for example, in primary PE, often there'll be a lot of numeracy elements of the curriculum Mm. added into a PE lesson. Yeah, okay. You could do quite a lot of geography added in to your PE lesson. And that's the bit that the teacher brings that a lot of sports coaches don't bring because they just don't generally have that curriculum knowledge. Yeah. Um, it's not to say they're not delivering the same as if there's not as much intercurriculum link. And children should be become lifelong learners and, and want to learn rather than go, oh, I'm going into math today or I'm going yeah. into literature. It's all, you're all learning. Let's mix it all together because children will learn differently in different environments. And that's something we need to massively promote, that children don't just sit down to learn. They can learn in other environments. So, so then take my Sporty Minis program, which I love and what I think is, it, is our unique selling point, is all of our sessions link to the seven areas of learning within the curriculum. And we try to do that as much as we can. So, and, and the other areas that we really try to target is the social and emotional well-being of a child in our lesson so it's not just physical in in any of our sporting news session it's socially are they able to communicate with other people other children within the session can they communicate to the coach you know emotionally are they getting the praise they need and it's not just oh well done johnny Mm. johnny you collected that ball with so much speed and brought it straight back or You know, you kicked with the most pointy toes. That is amazing. Like it, it's that type of, you know, extra good feeling and the way they learn as well. Not just good running, Sam. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. 
you know, which I think lots of people think they're giving praise. Even now I say to my daughter often, you know, well done, Ella Rose, you washed your hands. But, you know, actually I can go that step further and say, well done, Ella Rose, for washing your hands for 20 seconds and not getting water everywhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know that's really simple, but, you know. What a telling yeah. COVID time comment. <laughs> how many times do we wash our hands nowadays <laughs> no I, I i i i i'm constantly catching myself uh doing the wrong type of feedback in that way you know like just mm. giving the easy throwaway comment like well done or whatever you know like or, mm. or that but i uh i tell you practice is a really big word in our household so we you know you practiced really hard for that you know that success or whatever like oh that's great mm. roaring you practice really good like you keep mm. practicing and you're gonna get even better you know like practice 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 because i love that <laughs> one of the few things i've learned along the way is practice is what gets you there really it's not it's not the game day it's the practice yeah. you did before the game day mm. but uh yeah i mean i i know that you guys must be experts in being able to pick out those specific positive feedbacks uh, i i find myself falling into that trap you know i mean the what the thing that drives me so i'm a, i have two daughters I'm a, I'm a bit of a feminist as well and uh, i find it a bit frustrating with the whole kind of you look so pretty princess type thing mm. and i've really tried to avoid all of that However, uh, my daughter loves princesses and unicorns <laughs> and pink. Uh, <laughs> we were like, dress her, in, dress her in neutral clothes. Dress, like, don't go down that pathway. But unfortunately, life outside of our influence took over. Uh, and I don't really mind that she loves uh, those things either. But uh, but I'm certainly not calling her a princess. I you know I will tell her she looks lovely in her dress. But uh, because <laughs> otherwise, I'm just being nasty. Oh, it's but, so uh, hard though because the, it's that external environment we were walking to walking my daughter to preschool the other day and it was like a rainy day so I put black track pants on her you know she had a Mickey Mouse top or whatever she must have walked past like a shop window and saw her reflection and turned around and said mommy I look like a boy and I was like no you don't I was like you have a pink helmet you have a purple jacket and she's like and I was when I reflected on how I responded I was like oh silly but you know she picked up her black track pants and she went these are boys. And I was like, it's got a love heart on it. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's a strange time. I mean, we have to, we have to be, uh, I guess, you know, I, I had a conversation with someone who's very much in the art space and she was actually talking after we talked about uh, Cynthia, if you want to go back and have a look at the, anyone listening, if you want to go and have a look at the episode, but she was, a, is an amazing woman, but she was talking about some of our art students after the call, in fact. So, you know, like she was giving me the inside scoop and uh, yeah, just the way in which we have to be so careful nowadays on, on upsetting people and drinking people. But you're right. Like the color thing, it drives me nuts with, with, with you know, pink and you say it yourself, like you're like, no, it's got a pink helmet. It's like, no, no, that can be a point so i'm actually i've been looking around for a pink jacket to wear so that i can i'll get on you a man in a pink jacket but i know that in a way i'm making more of a statement by just doing that as well so uh i don't know we, 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 we end up a bit lost on that one i'm not sure how we got there but uh, no, i wanted no, to drag I, us I back to onto out of that one <laughs> Well, but I guess parents of little little girls is uh, <laughs> is, is the modern challenge we have. But I guess what I wanted to sort of finish up on is um, talk about that. Like, as a mom, how's that changed you in terms of your attitude towards 
Ella Rose growing up as and and you know both mum and dad dad is also a very good touch player as well <laughs> I don't know if he's played other sports actually but I I, I do know Dougie and uh he, he's a great uh, great athlete as well uh so both got that competitive uh attitude I suppose you'd call it um so how do you think that's going to influence Ella Rose? What's your hope for Ella Rose in, in her future? Like, I mean, I, you know, I know that you're going to be very proper and say she does whatever she wants to do, whatever. But like, what, <laughs> what is your what is your what is your attitude towards that? And how's that changed? Since um, well, you know me, I just say it how it is. I basically said when she was younger that if she's not good at sports, she's being adopted. <laughs> <laughs> fast forward to three and a half and she is not the best sporty minis in my class put it that way (laughs) and in fact I heard her preschool teacher today say oh Ella Rose isn't doing it she's lazy and I was like ah that's my daughter um if you ask Dougie he would say as long as she is happy and does what she wants I think Dougie was very academic and was pushed quite academically yeah so I think he definitely doesn't want to push her from that point um I was very sporty and pushed very sporty so I'm like I just want her to be smart (laughs) um (laughs) so I think we kind of just clashed there but you know for us it's just um showing her a healthy lifestyle and and for me allowing her to have the benefits that that I believe sport give children and you know my whole identity as a person um pre Ella Rose was about me being my amateur athlete and me being you know a PE teacher sports coach and that's just shaped my whole life and I I couldn't Mm. imagine anything else um and then you know with Ella Rose I guess I just want her to see that um you can do you don't just have to have a job or you don't just have to be a mum or, you know, you can you can do whatever you want to do and you can make it happen. I mean, Ella Rose has been coming. My first um, set, game back was five weeks postpartum and my first tournament was six months or five months and I was breastfeeding. And, you know, she's come everything with me. And even now, you know, we had a Friday morning mum's fitness and, you know, she would come, she would sit down, she'd sit on the blanket, she'd have a snack and then she'd get up and run with us or she'd yeah. play with the little babies or, you know, and she just said, oh, mummy, we're going to sports fit. And I'm like, yeah, we are like, you know, or gym session and she'd be on the rower and, you know, like that's, I've had mum guilt before, like, oh, I've got to drag her along, you know, to my work or I used to teach a spin and she used to be in a sling or, you know, or when she was a little bit more difficult, you know, I would feel mum guilt about having to bring her or take her out of her buggy or whatever. But I'm like, actually, no, this is what makes me happy. A happy mum is a happy child. And I'm just showcasing to her that, you know, you whatever you would like to do in life, you make it happen. There, there should yeah. be nothing that stops you doing that. Um, and, you know, the other day, it was a Sunday, we were, we were having um, our touch leave on a Sunday at Clapham, surprisingly, still there. Um, and I was actually in my pajamas and Ellery says, are we going to touch to touch today, mommy? And I was like, oh, I don't know. She's like, I want to go to touch and see the girls play. And I was like, my daughter's making it. She's not, she's three and a bit, making me leave the house to go, you know? And I'm like, good. She doesn't want me on a Sunday in my pajamas. 
she wants to get out, she wants to socialise and she wants to go to a place that she knows makes her mum happy and she likes being there as well. And I think that's really important. That's you know, awesome. out, out the window with the stereotype, mums have to take the kids to the play centres all the time. You yeah. know, our, our touch community is our play centre. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I, uh, I mean, my my thing at the moment's running, and I've been taking my littlest in the in the running oh, pram. Well which sometimes she loves, and then every now and then it's like, oh, <laughs> throw the brakes on, stop at a play playground, get her out to play, give her some food, and then get back in and, and run again. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's but uh, it's it's um, I think being active. One of the best moments I had recently was. I caught, I overheard my five-year-old Leonora bragging about how fast daddy was. <laughs> I was like, yes. and it's not really true, but I was like, yes. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> my daddy's really fast. I was like, cool. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so good. She'll grow up and realize that's not quite as true as it, <laughs> she thought it was at the time. Marnie, listen, I'm going to wrap this up now. I've been, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for spending the time with me here. And um, I really wish you all the best with your business moving forward. I'm going to put links and things wherever I can to Marnie's stuff. Uh, <laughs> this, this is, we're also recording this on, on you. Uh, so we'll put it out on YouTube, uh, with Marnie's permission. And, uh, but obviously the podcast is going to be in the podcast places. So look out for the, for the links and check out Sports Fit, check out Sporty Minis, check out her business. If you want to set up a franchise, then I think that sounds like an awesome plan. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, thank you so much again Marnie and I uh, uh, wish you all the best all right thanks so much Nick and good luck with your book oh <laughs> yeah I need to write that bloody thing 